What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Blazers. I am your pass-first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. we got some fun things to talk about tonight, and by that I mean mostly unfun things. One of the best players in the world suffered a brutal injury during the NBA Finals. we got to talk about the impact of what Kevin Durant's likely Achilles injury means for the Warriors, the league, the Blazers, free agency, the whole everything, the fallout from what that means. It turns the whole league topsy-turvy, particularly this summer, puts a lot of things into question. Also, I want to talk about where in the world are the Blazers? Quick social media media follow-up to find out where your beloved boys are as they spend the middle part of their offseason you know, getting out of the country and mostly filming themselves work out on the internet. It's a classic NBA move. So let's start with Durant. I think the sort of classic thing that's going around the NBA Twitter sphere, media intelligentsia, TV talking heads thing is is who to blame. Uh, and I think placing blame is really enticing in these situations. But for me, I don't think there's a ton of value in parsing out who is to blame at this stage. Is it the Warriors coaches? Is it the Warriors players pressuring Durant? Is it Durant rushing back when he knew he wasn't healthy? Is it the medical staff? Is it the media who who made a big deal about Durant missing all this time? Is it the fans who whined for Kevin Durant to come back? I I don't, I, I don't want to get into all that. I, I think that at some point Kevin Durant will speak about why he chose to play. And it seems unlikely that he'll throw anyone under the bus if he did feel pressure. Maybe he'll be candid and we'll find out if he felt some sort of outward pressure. But I think the absolutely best case scenario for what happened last night, and I guess I should tell you guys what happened last night in case you were under a rock, in case you did not watch the NBA Finals or read about the NBA Finals, but you do listen to Lockdown Blazers. I'll just assume that there's one of you out there. Uh, So Kevin Durant had missed a month. He came back, played in Game 5, in Toronto, uh, Warriors down 3-1 facing elimination. He played 12 of the first 14 minutes. He scored 11 points, hit all three of his three-pointers, generally looked good up until the moment where he tried to go between his legs and kind of just felt something pop in his right leg, uh, kind of let the ball bounce away, crumpled to the floor, grabbed at his ankle, uh, it looked like it was the same calf injury that he had dealt with again. It looks like he. It looked like he was kind of uh, had reaggravated. That was the assumption, at least I was. I made live as you know he reaggravated the same injury. Oh, that's sad. What a bummer. Uh, it later came out that it's very likely an Achilles injury, uh, or it is an Achilles injury. But it it came out during the game that it was it was more than just the calf injury. So that's what happened, in case you guys missed it. Uh, I'm sure you didn't, but that 45 seconds of your life wasn't that bad, so thanks for sticking with me. But like I said, I think the best case scenario when you look at that, at the way things played out, is that Kevin Durant was the one who wanted to play, and he demanded to play. Because if it's someone else's fault, if there's pressure somewhere else, then it gets messy and and, and uh, kind of sad, frustrating, and maybe a little gross. But if it's Kevin Durant, an athlete at the absolute peak of his powers, arguably the best player in the world, wanting to play in the NBA Finals because he didn't want his team to lose, 
I think that's easier to stomach. Injuries happen. They're part of the game. For now, instead of pointing the blame or trying to figure out who it, who who should be, you know, raked over the coals for this injury, let's just say it's an awful thing that happened to anyone and it's particularly awful that it happened for a player in the NBA Finals. But I think there's real implications from this injury that will ripple across the league. Uh, and that's more interesting to me to consider than than blame uh, within Golden State's franchise or, or outside of it. And frankly, we just don't have the inner details of what happened with that. So, so parsing blame is, is meaningless. But here's what we know about Kevin Durant. He doesn't have to become a free agent. It has been assumed for months now that he was going to hit free agency this summer, pick a destination very likely outside of Golden State, start a new journey somewhere else. But he doesn't have to be a free agent. I think that's, you know, the first time anyone's mentioned Kevin Durant's player option is, you know, happened right after he got hurt. But he's got a 31, I think $31.5 million player option that he can pick up and spend one more year with the Golden State Warriors. So he doesn't have to hit free agency. And perhaps the next ripple effect is that other teams, uh, particularly the sort of the Knicks, Lakers, Clippers, maybe the Nets are in this category as well, teams that were hunting the biggest fish in the league, they still have tons of cap room, but they probably don't have Kevin Durant on the... I mean, they might have Kevin Durant on the radar, I should say. But they have to have Kevin Durant on the radar now with a caveat. And maybe some of those teams shift their thinking. So maybe the market for Jimmy Butler now moves. Uh, if you're getting really far down the line, maybe the market for Kemba Walker, Nikola Vucevic moves. Because that max money, there's more teams with max slots than there are max players to fill it. Maybe the Knicks chasing Kyrie Irving or, or, the, or the Nets chasing Kyrie Irving. Maybe that changes. Maybe how the Clippers were going to try to clear two spots to get Kawhi and KD. Maybe that changes because of the uncertainty of Kevin Durant's availability for next season. And it certainly changes for the second tier of guys who are going to get max level contracts. Obviously, uh, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and Kemba Walker and those types are, are lesser players than Kevin Durant. He's, like I said, arguably the best player in the world. Uh, at worst, he's the third best player in the world. But it might change what the market is like and what the calculations are like for those third tier, for those sort of second tier stars who are going to probably end up getting max contracts just because of the way the league works. Because there is no sort of like B plus tier. There's no B plus contracts. And I think it's worth pointing out that if Kevin Durant does pick up that player option, he does stay with Golden State, which certainly could happen. Maybe he feels most comfortable just rehabbing there and figuring it out again. You know, what his, what, what his availability might be next year with the same roster, you know, staying in his same condo, all those things. But if he does stay in, in, in Golden State for of all of the 2019-20 season, and he does pick up that player option, he'll enter the free agency in 2020, but it will be after the Golden State Warriors have likely paid, given 
Clay Thompson a max contract, and it'll come up the same summer as Draymond Green. Forcing the Warriors, if Kevin Durant wants to stay, to make a very difficult choice. Perhaps it's not difficult, perhaps you always pick Kevin Durant over Draymond Green, but they might not have a lot of data on what Kevin Durant post-Achilles injury looks like. And then they might be forced to choose between Draymond and KD, or they might be forced to just pay them both a absolute ton of money when I think the sort of most people's logic was that Kevin Durant would leave, you would lock up the Splash Brothers, and then the Draymond decision would, would be at least simpler. Uh, over at Blazer's Edge, Eric Griffith, friend of the show, I'm sure he doesn't listen, but I'll just call him a friend of the show because I read his stuff. He wrote the specifics on how expensive Durant committing to Golden State even for one year would be, uh, and I suggest you go over there and read his article because he's has a better grasp on sort of the specific implications of the CBA than I do. Mine is, is a little looser than his, certainly, but uh, the, the hint is that it would be very, very expensive in the triple-digit millions for Kevin Durant to stay with the Warriors. That's part of the fallout. In the second segment, I want to talk about the Blazers' own connection and history with um, with a guy with an Achilles injury who got a big contract after he suffered a, a, a terrible injury. But before I do that, I want to remind you guys, I want to tell you guys that today on the Locked On Network, the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast is launching. It's a full mock draft from all of the Locked On hosts, including trades and every pick and analysis of every pick and analysis of the trades that go with those picks. A complete mock first round. The first part of that mega show launches tomorrow on the Locked On NBA feed. Check it out. You're not going to find... Uh, another network doing something like this. I think it should be really cool. And we're getting really close to the NBA draft. It's time to get excited about it. Find out what, um, I guess, experts? I don't know what you call me. I feel like I know a lot about the team. I don't know if I know a lot about the draft or team building, but I do know a lot about the Blazers. But find out what I did with the 25th pick. And find out what the rest of the league and the rest of the Lockdown host did. Check it out. Lockdown NBA. All right, welcome back. So we talked about what the implications might be for the Warriors and for some other uh, NBA stars following Kevin Durant's Achilles injury. But what we didn't discuss and what I want to discuss here in the second segment is some other guys who have gotten paid after an Achilles injury. Most notably, the one with the ties to the Portland Trailblazers. On March 5th, 2015... I was in the Moda Center the night that the Blazers knocked off the Dallas Mavericks to move into second place in the Western Conference, and nobody cared because crumpled just above the three-point line opposite the uh, opposing bench, Wesley Matthews was clutching the back of his leg clearly after suffering an Achilles injury. Uh, You know the rest. The Blazers traded for Aaron Aflalo, but he hurt his shoulder. LaMarcus Aldridge maybe quit on the team and was had a foot out the door during the series against the Memphis Grizzlies. And this was the beginning of the end. 
that that night was the beginning of the end for just a, an era of of Blazer basketball with Rolo and Batum and and Wes and and Lamarcus. It ended that night in March. But Wesley Matthews didn't exactly go away. That summer, he ended up signing a well, initially a fifty-seven million, but eventually because of some drama with DeAndre Jordan that we won't parse now. Wes Matthews signed a four-year, $70 million contract coming off an Achilles injury. Which, as I mentioned in the first segment, maybe some teams change the way they feel about Kevin Durant. But certainly not all of them. If he wants to go sign a max contract somewhere, some suitor, some Knicks, Lakers, Nets, Clippers, one of those teams is going to offer him the biggest money. If if the Mavs in 2015 were offering $70 million to Wesley Matthews, a at the time, you know, the fourth best player, third best player, arguably third best player on on a on a darn good playoff team that you know, he West didn't really have all-star potential, but he he was a very solid 3 and D role player. I think someone's going to back up the truck for Kevin Durant. I don't think he has to worry about that. But Wes Matthews also gives us another data point. It's about how someone who suffers this type of injury, how quickly they can recover in sort of the modern age. There's some other guys who've done it, but not a lot of guys who have recovered, uh, who have suffered this Achilles injury in their prime and been and come back in the last you know four or five years and, and, and sort of in the the speed in which the sports medical field has has evolved. That gives us a good data point. But Wesley Matthews played opening night the following year, October 28th, 2015. Seven months and 23 days. It's 237 days for those of you who like math. After the, after the injury. 240 days. Basically eight months. If you assume the similar timeline for Kevin Durant, we're talking early February of 2020. Prior to the All-Star break, but 60 games into the season, 55 games into the season. And I think it's important to point out that, I don't know, Wes isn't way worse than he was post-Achilles. He suffered it at age 28. But he is worse um, he's, he's never, his, his two point shooting has never, uh, crept back to his career average post Achilles injury. He's been a below, b- below average on a two point shooter. Uh, he hasn't matched his, his best three point shooting numbers post injury. And, and if you watch him, you just know that he isn't as quick and as feisty as a defender as he was with the Blazers. He should still be in his prime. So I don't think that's necessarily physical decline. Uh, I mean, certainly some way it could be, you know, he's he's older now. But even when, just in the past couple years with Dallas, before this year with the Pacers, or the end of this year with the Pacers, he just, he, he wasn't as, as quick a defender. That's where it dropped off. Uh, the sort of classic good news 
example is Dominique Wilkins. Uh, he tore his Achilles at age 32 in 1992. Uh, full disclosure, I am not old enough to remember those days of Dominique Wilkins. I have seen the highlights and read the box scores, but I can't tell you what he looked like, you know, with sort of anything that resembles an eye test. But I can tell you that he averaged 28 points and t- and shot over 45% from the floor in the two seasons following his Achilles injury. Then he kind of fell off when he hit age 35. But being 35 years old and in the NBA, people fall off all the time. So maybe that was more age than Achilles. So maybe Dominique Wilkins is the example. The other one that that immediately struck me was uh, Rudy Gay. Um, Rudy Gay is like a solid role player. Uh, he averaged uh, 14 and 7, and he was about as efficient as he's ever been from the floor his first year with the Spurs in 2018-19. That was a year full season removed from the Achilles injury. But it was also getting out of that King situation, so maybe just being on a better team helped him be better. So there is hope for Durant. There is hope that he comes back and maybe isn't the best player in the world, but is one of the 15 best players in the world. He's big. He's so skilled. I don't see this, and I don't know. I'm not a doctor, and we don't even we haven't even had it confirmed what exactly is wrong with him. It's an Achilles injury. We don't know the extent of it. it there's no good news coming. We just don't have the specific news yet. But I think there's some examples that there are a few guys that have returned close to their form, close to what they've been. And if Kevin Durant gets close to what he's been, he's still one of the top 10 players in the league, top 15 players in the league. He might not ever get back to number one player in the world. It's debatable whether he was there, but he was certainly in that conversation for much of this year and and much of this postseason run prior to the calf injury and then the Achilles injury. But it seems like there's some data points that suggest he could get back there and maybe some reason for some team to give him that Wes Matthews-style, we-believe-in-you giant contract. And by Wes Matthews-style, I mean literally twice as much money as Wes Matthews made in that contract in 2015. All right, when we get back, a social media wrap-up of what your beloved Blazers are doing in their time off. Stick with me. All right, still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. Uh, the Blazers are going to hold a press conference rally thing in downtown Portland on Wednesday morning, where the mayor of Portland is going to is is going to be in attendance and give interviews and talk about what a great season it has, and uh, Terry Stotts and Neil Olshay will be there. But you know who won't be there? It's like any of the players because they're all gone because it's time to leave if you're an NBA player and take vacation. So really quickly, um, there's a chance that you know this from your own social media perusing. And if you do, I apologize. But this is for the people that maybe don't spend all their time following millionaires on, on Instagram. But here's, here's a, a sampling of where some of your Blazers are. CJ McCollum, he's in China on tour with Li Ning. Dude makes eight figures from Li Ning. It's quite a deal. But part of that deal is he has to go to China and do shoe, shoe stuff. If you look closely in uh, Blazers' 
or to see his Instagram pictures. One of the Blazers' security guards there is with him. So is one of the Blazers' health and performance coaches. He's not alone. A little Blazers contingent in China doing the Li Ning press tour. Getting shots up in Chinese gyms wearing all Li Ning gear. Uh, Damian Lillard is in Mexico City with Tim Frazier and, if the internet is to be believed, visited by Yusuf Nurkic. All the pals are in Cabo San Lucas hanging out. It's a good old time down there in Mexico. They're getting their workouts in. They're filming themselves running on the beach. Classic NBA stuff. Think you're obligated if you go to the beach and you're in the NBA to film yourself running on the beach. It's just it's just uh, undeniably um, irresistible or tempting or whatever. But in addition to the gang that's all down in in Mexico. Oh, also I should mention something. This this is I saw on the internet just as I started recording is that apparently while uh, on a live streaming from a hot tub in Mexico, Anthony Davis hopped in the live stream and said, "Where's my invite?" So uh, maybe he's trying to get invited to Mexico, or maybe it's time to read into the tea leaves. And AD is angling for his chance to move to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, you'll realize that in the podcast last night, or that I recorded for yesterday, I spent a lot of time trying to tell you that the Blazers weren't going to trade for AD, but here's how they do it. So if this type of rumor strikes your fancy, go listen to the most recent podcast that came out on June 11th. I break it down for you in that middle segment. And the last, no, we got a couple more where in the worlds. Where in the world is Myers Leonard? He's in Los Angeles, California, working out with his crew. He's got like a nutritionist and uh, a weight guy and a basketball guy. He's got a whole team of, uh, of training types that are based in L.A. And he spends his off seasons uh, down in Los Angeles. Like he just rents a house and, and straight up moves down there, lives down there. Uh, he, he's also become a professional gamer, joining FaZe Clan. I don't really know what that means. I mean, I have an idea of what that means, but I don't really know what it means. But yeah, Myers Leonard, hanging out in L.A., getting better. Uh, seemed to work for him okay last year. You know, he didn't get a ton of opportunities, but um, he says it has really helped him. So going back to the place where he felt like it really helped him seems a good idea. Good for Myers. And finally, perhaps the most interesting of our Blazer World travelers, Al Farouk Aminu, Mo Harkless, and Evan Turner, a.k.a. the Steam Room Mafia, a trio that used to spend a ton of time in the Steam Room together at the Blazers practice facilities, hanging out, being pals. The three of them are in Milan and Italy at the International Business Academy, which is put on by the NBA Players Association, and it's uh, like a, a short week of business and brand classes that they put on for NBA players who are... It's mostly targeted at international guys, so they don't have to come back to America like come to New York, but... Chief and uh, Chief and and Mo and Et Mo and Et of course went on a on a a best friends trip to to Spain, which looked incredibly cute if you're into Instagram. But after they after those two guys finished rollicking around the uh, Gaudi Museum and among other places, they popped over to Italy and are now at the uh, International Business Academy. So yeah, that's what's happening with your Blazers. They're live streaming from hot tubs in Mexico. They're taking business classes in Italy. They're working out in Los Angeles. And they're doing shoe things in China. Me? I'm recording a podcast in Portland. 
and I appreciate you guys listening. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. Tell them they can find it wherever they get podcasts. That's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and also on the brand new Himalaya app. Himalaya is a podcast app with great new features, including curated playlists. It's free to download and easy to use, and it's available wherever you download apps. It also has all the podcasts you already listened to on there, including all of the Locked On shows. So hop on there, subscribe to Locked On Blazers while you're there. Check it out. Share it with your friends. Share this podcast with your friends, too. Tell them you enjoy it. I appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon.